Welcome to Vision Magnified. We are a podcast that showcases the blind community living limitlessly. Breaking barriers and smashing stereotypes. Proving that we are more than just our disability. Hey friends, pay special attention to this episode because we're going to tell you how you can score your own free edition of Dear Freedom Writer while supplies last. Happy Thriving Thursday and welcome to Vision Magnified. I'm your host, Sasha. This week, I sat down with published author Jasmine Matthews. Jasmine is a college student from California who was recently featured in the book, Dear Freedom Writer, Stories of Hardship and Hope for the Future Generation. If you're unfamiliar with the Freedom Writers, let me give you a little bit of information. So the Freedom Writers were a group of about, I think, 150 students from Long Beach, California, who were taught by a teacher by the name of Erin Gruwell. Erin taught her students to discover a love of writing through books like Anne Frank's Diary, amongst many others. They started journals of their own and soon dubbed themselves the Freedom Writers. Through finding their voices and telling their stories, they formed a bond that continues to this day and have started a movement to change the education system as we know it. Now, this book is the follow-up to the original book, um, which was called The Freedom Writer's Diary, and that was published in 1999. There was also a movie made about these students um, called The Freedom Writers, which was released in 2007, I believe. Now, in this new book, Dear Freedom Writer, Jasmine and her fellow students, they share their struggles with abuse, racism, discrimination, poverty, mental health, imposed borders, being a part of the LGBTQIA plus community, as well as police violence. These stories are then responded to by, the mem- by a member of the original Freedom Writers, I think this is so inspirational and such an amazing idea because these students of today are sharing the struggles that they have and then they are getting advice not only from an original freedom writer but from somebody who has lived through these same experiences and has come out the other side successfully. Um, I think this is um a really sort of cathartic thing as well because if you've lived through something like this you know if you've lived through some of these same struggles and you can tell your story um back to somebody who's going through it now it allows you to sort of relive walk through it again and you know um and heal as you're telling your story, um, they say that the best way to overcome a trauma or cope with something traumatic that has happened to you is to talk about it. And by talking about it, you're able to heal through explaining your experience. I think the ability to share your story with somebody who's been through something similar and can offer advice coming from a, a similar standpoint has to be something truly healing and um this is something i couldn't wait to speak with jasmine about
Thank you so much for being here with us today, Jasmine. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I like to talk about the book and like, you know, everything about the Freedom Riders and stuff like that. To start with, tell us a little bit about yourself and a bit about your eye condition, if you wouldn't mind. So, um, I've been blind my whole entire life, but I've been diagnosed with cancer when I was seven. And that was the primary cause of it because it sits on my optic optic nerve. And, um, and even though it's a brain cancer, it's, it's directly sitting on top of it. And so, um, I never really had too much problems with seeing until like, I think when I was like 10 and um, I think one night I just had, so I was with, I was struggling with the flu. I had the flu and I guess it was like the flu, the chemotherapy, the cancer, like all of those combined wasn't going well. And so one night I woke up like completely blind. I couldn't see the lights out of the windows. I couldn't see like a little nightlight I had in the room at the time. I needed to go to the bathroom. I couldn't see the lights in there. When I got up out of the bed though, I was actually dizzy and disoriented. And so um, that was like the first time I noticed that I went completely blind. And, um, and I don't know what it was at the time, like when I, when I, first woke up and stuff I thought I was like tired or whatever I couldn't like really explain it but at the same time I wasn't freaking out too much um I did eventually go back to sleep and wake up and see if that made a difference and it didn't so that's when I told my mom and um the doctors they said my pupils were dilated and everything and it took me three days to like get my vision back and then from there on um I got my vision back to like the most part um but since like what 2012 um since then my eyesight has been decreasing and so now I can only see like um light shadows and a little movement and so that's where my vision's at right now um another thing is before i completely lost my eyesight when i had the flu um i didn't use a cane at the time they were teaching me how to use one just in case mm-hmm. but like everything kind of fell into place like at the right time because i think i was like nine learning how to use the cane or eight and then i was um i was eight when they started having me um, learn braille so everything kind of came into play at the right time and um when i actually lost my eyesight i i, I think that's why i wasn't too worried because um they they were already teaching me how to do stuff um and even when i got my eyesight back um I just kept practicing and learning and everything. And I, I would say by maybe seventh grade, 
um I stopped using like CCTVs and everything and then that, that's just like when my eyesight started getting worse because I wasn't using and uh like straining my eyes just to look through a monitor and stuff so mm-hmm. um yeah it's it's pretty much been um just like braille reading braille and using a cane since like seventh grade well that's a lot to go through so young exactly exactly and um were you going especially like the whole chemo thing was really um it it was energy draining i mean i i couldn't imagine like being the chemo on a young body like must have been extraordinarily hard to cope with um I mean, even when you see adults, how it breaks them down, I can't imagine how children go through yeah. that, how you guys cope with that. Mm-hmm. And during this, were you going to, like, a regular school or a school for the blind, or how were you I never went to a school for the blind. I, I was I was always um, in, like, public schools and stuff. Um, I didn't... Well, yeah, I never been, like, attended a blind school. But I've I've been to uh, California School for the Blind, um, like their summer program, and then I realized that they were a school. But yeah, I never been to um, a blind school. Was it hard to get through school? Like, when did you decide that you wanted to continue education and and go to college? So um, that that's the thing. Like, I I was even talking to my mom a couple of times about like. You know, like, how did I get all of this stuff uh, when I was in elementary? And she just said, like, like people just jumped on it. And because I think in first grade, like, I can remember when I first got my uh, CCTV. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then I think I remember, like, briefly when I was in kindergarten, I didn't have that. I had magnifiers. I think I had magnifiers since um, like second grade, and then they uh, they put me onto uh, CCTVs and like the portable mini portable CCTVs because eventually the magnifiers, like the little dome magnifiers, didn't work and do, didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, but as far as I know, like I've always had an IEP. And I always had um, a TBI and an O&M instructor helping me. So um, I think they just jumped on it like right away. And that's what allowed me to like continue with school um, without a problem. Mm-hmm. And then even when I uh, switched between different schools and different TBIs and O&Ms, like they just picked up from the previous one. So I didn't, I didn't struggle, and all of all of the ones that I had were like really good O&M instructors, uh, TVIs, and everything. Was getting like from class to class difficult? Uh, the thing about that is, like I said, I didn't start using a cane until maybe um, fourth grade or or so when I was nine, third grade, fourth grade. Um. And so I got around throughout my school fine because I had enough vision to do so. Like mm-hmm. nobody, nobody absolutely thought I was blind until they went into my classroom and saw that I had the CCTV and stuff. 
Um, and I did wear glasses at the time. I stopped wearing glasses when I was like 11 because they didn't help anymore. But um, after a while, I started needing a one-on-one aid. So I think it was like in fifth grade when I started getting one. And then from then on, I always had one. And what is what did your what was your aide responsible for doing? Um, well, they were they were kind of like always with me. Um, they did leave me alone, like uh, like at lunch to hang out with friends and stuff. But they would help me like go from class to class, and then um, read anything on the boards that I couldn't read, or like if if um. Well, this was later. This was later, like, when I didn't have a CCTV. But, like, if my, um, if some assignments couldn't be put on, like, a, f- a flash drive, um, they would read read the paper out and do the assignment with me. So they were kind of just um, hands-on for, like, or they were kind of there um, to read anything on the boards or help me write anything down uh, that I couldn't. Uh, read from a flash drive or write down myself through auditory learning and stuff like that okay so that's that must have been really really helpful yeah it it has been over over the years it has and so when did you decide you wanted to go to college and continue your education well I always uh, thought about going to college I bounced around with different options depending on um my eyesight at the time like when I was a little kid I would I I was able to draw and write on paper so um I wanted to be an artist because that's what I loved doing Mm -hmm. and then as uh time went on and I started losing my eyesight um I noticed that you know drawing wasn't an option but um, doing like ceramics was another option or learning how to bake and have like just doing different things and having uh, different ideas of what I wanted to do, but something that I enjoyed doing. But um, yeah, I've always bounced around. And then um, when I actually got into college, um, I wanted to do technology uh, do computer science because I wanted to make apps and raw devices and kind of just like um, add features and stuff that we need that we know that we need and that helps us better because there's a lot of stuff out there but not everything works mm-hmm. so I wanted to do that and um, just make technology for us just even better but um, my college class that I took, because I, I took a computer programming class in high school, and that was fun because we were actually learning how to do the websites, the make websites, and then um, do the actual coding. But um, with my college class, it was more like reading about the information and learning it through reading and doing like these little assignments but not like coding or anything and everything was kind of repetitive and it was kind of boring and um i also wasn't doing great in the class because they had this other 
third-party website that they're using Mm -hmm. that wasn't accessible so I was kind of like doing my own assignments and I was kind of like disconnected with the class and that's why I didn't enjoy it as much um and I thought about um looking into other schools especially schools that worked with um the blind but at the time I just like that was into my first year of applying to this college and I'm like that's gonna be a lot just to leave here and go to somewhere else just for that one class that I didn't like and so that's when I looked at another option and I was talking to my mom and she mentioned uh like do writing because you love writing and so that's when I did the research. I compared um, I compared both uh, technology and uh, creative writing, the majors, and uh, creative writing was just better overall. And um, and that was uh, last March, last year in, in March when I officially made the change which is also around the time when I met the Freedom Writers and started um, working on my book. It was a just happenstance that you found this particular class that brought about the, the experience of, going, of um, getting published in this book? So, um, so this is what happened. I was in um, like a political science class for my GEs and the instructor was um, throwing like opportunities, like extra credit opportunities at us. And um, I didn't necessarily want to do the extra credit assignments. Like I wasn't uh, looking towards doing any of them until I saw the Freedom Writers pop up their name. Mm -hmm. And so the extra credit assignments were to go to any Zoomed uh, event held by the school, by, by my college. And, and so they had an event where I guess they were, like, I, I don't know exactly if it was to meet the Freedom Writers or whatever, but um, Aaron Gruel was there. A couple of the original Freedom Writers were there. And then um, my counselor was there and I planned to go there, but I missed it. I'm, or I thought I missed the event because normally they have events for an hour. And I was like, I had like five minutes left to go in and I thought it was over, but luckily I still went in. And I think they said the, the meeting was actually an hour and 30 minutes. So, um, I technically didn't miss anything. And then they were talking about like just being a student and stuff. And I typed in the chats, um, like what it meant to be like a a blind student and how difficult it is to advocate for yourself and everything. And um, they saw it and they asked me if I wanted to be in their book. And so that's how it happened. It wasn't necessarily a class that I took. but that's that's just how it happened. It was a an event held at my at my college campus on Zoom. 
That's really great. Um, so for those who are not very familiar with the Freedom Riders, explain a little bit about how they got their start and um, how this new book came about. So Erin Gruel, the founder, she was she started off as a teacher at a high school in Long Beach. And she noticed a lot of uh, cultural differences and people were um, people had their parole officers with them. Uh, there was a lot of gang violence and everything. And um, everybody hated each other and hated her, especially as a white teacher. And um, and she actually changed, she was able to change the dynamic of the class, change the relationships and everything through reading books by uh, like students, by kids that resonate with their stories that resonated with um, what they were going through at the time. And they realized that everybody in that class wasn't so different after all. And that room became a safe space for them. She gave them like journals so they can write about their stories and nobody had to read them unless if they wanted to share them. And um, that's just kind of how it formed. And then they started writing, um, they started writing their stories into the original book, Dear, uh, The Freedom Writer Diary. And so that was like back in um, 93 when they all got together, when the whole thing started. And the book was published in 99. And from then on, they left, they left the school together and they formed the Freedom Rider Foundation. And so they became the original Freedom Riders. And it's just been a movement ever since. They had a documentary that came out and then they had the Freedom Rider movie that came out in 2007. And that's that's the movie that I saw or a lot of people saw mm -hmm. but I saw it in um 2016 when I was in this elective class it was kind of like a new elective class and it was a teen leadership class what and um one day the teacher was absent we had a substitute and one of the assignments was to take the movie notes as we watched the Freedom Rider movie. And I could say that, like, nobody took notes. Everybody was, like, so interested in watching the movie and everything. And um, it just connected with a lot of people even, even then on. And um, so I never knew that the Freedom Riders at the time were a movement like a big movement an organization i just thought it was a movie mm -hmm. and um yeah i didn't know it was an organization until after the fact when i saw their name for this extra credit assignment what can you tell us about their movement and what is a little bit about maybe the freedom writers foundation so basically what they do is they take um they take people with traumatic stories and stuff and they give them that 
anonymity to actually talk about it and share their stories into the world um because there's a lot of people who either deal with that situation or can like empathize through uh somewhat different life experiences and so basically for um for the book that i'm in right now um it's it had to do with the pandemic and stuff and since covid started everyone has been feeling isolated depressed anxious and stuff like that mm-hmm. so um it was kind of like a cry for help and so they came in and they took 50 of us student authors um chosen by uh chosen uh by our freedom writer teachers and uh, we talked about a story either in the past, our life experience, um, a traumatic event, um, or like even something that's going on today in other countries, because there's people all over the world. And, um, you know, we're just writing about our stories. We are anonymous. Our names are not connected to the story, but our names are in the book, in the acknowledgements area. Mm -hmm. And um, same thing, it it was to allow us to tell our stories and and try to seek hope, try to give other people's hope, or other people hope, and make them feel like they're not alone. So I know that for this book, you put us a story out there and then it was responded to by an original freedom writer. Um, yeah. How was the process for that? Was it like, did you actually talk to them through the process or did you just put your story out there and they, they kind of sent us to like read, wrote a story back to you? So the process, um, the process of the book was we started writing our stories back in um i I would say probably back in march and then our book our story had to be be finalized by um i think june ish and then um from like june to july we edited our stories at the same time while we were editing our stories on um these little zoom sessions there was people who listened and who read our stories and then there was even groups outside of those zoom meetings who read our stories and whoever could relate to them the most and could give advice they picked up they picked up the response or the response letter to them mm-hmm. so um it's just a letter like responding letting them know that they're not alone giving them hope that things will get better and it's supposed to do the same thing with other people who weren't in the book just give hope and know that there's there's still good that can happen so through this process everything was kind of anonymous correct yes it it was um it was anonymous so um nobody felt pressured into telling their stories 
and um, it also gives them the opportunity to uh, build up that pride, build up that energy to tell their story whenever they feel like it. Mm -hmm. Because um, people talk about um, like their living situation that they're currently in. And so it's supposed to keep away the enemies that we talk about in our stories and let us uh, let us tell our story whenever we feel like it kind of and when safety. things are different. And so, yeah, we have that anonymity to mm-hmm. feel safe and feel comforted without um, without having a target on our backs. So were you so you were actually able to talk to and meet um, various freedom riders throughout this process were you not? Yes, um, we were always like in a in a zoom meeting many times throughout the month throughout every month and um, we just made it connections it was it was a lot of us I think there were like a hundred fifty plus of us working on this book and and working collectively together. And plus, um, there were, like, connections, relationships made outside of that because we got each other's phone numbers and we started talking Mm -hmm. and hanging out and getting to know everyone. And so when we actually had the event last month to to release our book, um, you just saw a bunch of people... Uh, connecting with each other for the first time not on a computer mm-hmm. and separating off into groups and making stronger bonds in person so um yeah it was it was um a good process it was a good thing that happened and yeah there was a lot of relationships and connections made what is something that you hope that people take away from reading this book there's there's many things um it's also like i think i think with a lot of our stories written it shows us how cruel people in the world can be it shows us um that everybody goes through different and similar situations in life and it shows that, you know, there's there's still some good that can come out of it. If you have to, like, move from where you're living, it's, it's, supposed, to, it's supposed to show everyone that, you know, there's somebody out there who cares. It's supposed to show them that they know what that person is feeling and that they can relate and that they can empathize with them. And it's just supposed to educate people and show that we need these stuff to change. We need to change the world and stop these things from happening. And it's just through an education process of reading the book and educating and showing people this is what's happening in the world, either today or in the past and continuing today. 
it's just supposed to let them know that these are some of the problems that are happening in the world and we need to change it. And what is something that you've taken away both from doing the, the process of, of putting the book together and then, you know, even through these events, like what's been the biggest takeaway from all this for you? The biggest takeaway is, um, well, so since I changed to my creative writing major, it also gave me the opportunity to see what the publishing world the publishing market and everything writing market is like how everything works the both like the legal parts of it the fun parts the tedious working parts it's just the whole experience um was really nice and really like energizing and um it's also the connections that you meet like everyone is a family we're all a freedom writer family and so um when you have like a bunch of people who are hurting and a bunch of people who can provide hope or give hope to other people it's it's a stronger bond that you'll have um the relationships it's it's just a stronger connection and um you know you're, you just meet a lot of people who either go through different or similar situations as you. And, you know, it just makes you feel like you're not alone. And so there's a lot, there's a lot that you can take out of this situation, out of this um, process. And those are like the two biggest things ever that I can take out of, out of this um, process of being with them for like over a year now what's next like was being a published author a dream of yours come true and you want to do it again or like what what do you see yeah I, I want to do it again like it's it's not going to stop I I still enjoy writing and um I have ideas of having my own business and stuff writing business um and just a bunch of other things that I want to do, um, my works and everything, publishing. And so this was kind of like the the foot through the door. This was like the first step. So it's, it's not going to stop. I'm still going to do it. And um, just waiting for the next opportunity to come. Well, it sounds like an amazing experience. I mean, being able to meet all those people and inspire each other and be a source of healing for each other and be a a safe space. One of the things that I find through this pandemic is that people are finding their people. People are finding the spaces where they feel they belong. And and that just seems like an awesome, uh, awesome thing. Yeah, it's like ever since the pandemic, there's just been a a lot of isolation, a lot of uh, stableness. Um, And that allowed people to feel depressed or get anxiety, like really bad anxiety or panic attacks and stuff. Um, Yeah, it was kind of like a cry for help. And that's why, and that's why this process, this book process happened because there's people out there who need to tell their story and there's people who are struggling. 
So how does it feel to say that you are now a freedom writer? You're part of this legendary group of writers who are working to heal and change the world. And what does that mean to you? It feels amazing because not only um, did I realize the freedom writers are not just a movie, um, I actually get to meet a lot of the original people who were inspiring from the movie. And um, it just it just feels great that I'm a part of the family and that I can do the same thing too, like help people. And um, yeah, it's just it's just a whole big family that you know you you chose and that is like forever. And what was it like doing the book signing and how, what's it been like doing some of the events that you've done because of this book? The book signing was really amazing. It was, um, yeah, it was just a, an amazing experience. I really liked it. Um, you know, you got to say hi to people who are really inspired in everyone that has worked in the book um who have known the freedom writers prior and um you know it's just it's just amazing knowing that your your book is out into the world and people are noticing it buying it and um that day when our book launched we we signed almost 500 books that night wow so there was a lot of um conversations with people who wanted the books to be signed there was a lot of pictures and everything so it was just a it was just a good moment that sounds like it'd be a lot of fun too like being a part of that book being published and everything sounds like it's a busy time for you as well yeah it was really busy um and like busy in a good way too it wasn't like stressful busy it was just like relaxed we were in our own like little bubble mm -hmm. and um unfortunately like leaving that every everybody wants to like go back because it was like the first time we saw everybody in person um a lot more uh relationships were made and it's just it, it was just a good experience to be in especially like after um after this pandemic started too mm -hmm. it was just kind of like a whirlwind that happened a real like step into life again or some type of normalcy mm -hmm. and so um yeah it's it was just a great experience well, it sounds like it was, and I really appreciate you coming on and speaking with us about your book. It's inspired me to want to go back and reread the original um, Freedom Writer's Diary. Thank you for coming on and speaking about the book and everything. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's very hard not to get inspired by writing in free form. Sharing your story in complete and total anonymity in a safe space among others who are also doing the same. Bouncing ideas back and forth on how to change these situations that we come from, how to get past these struggles 
and the strife that we're dealing with and find our way into a more stable terrain. Books like Dear Freedom Writer and The Freedom Writer's Diary are the kind of books that inspired me to want to be a creative writer in my youth and in my college days. The idea just to tell your story, someone else's story, any story, and have the world hear it, have the world relate and connect and share their own experiences. There's something that seems very rewarding and gratifying about that. The ability to inspire people with your words and experiences is a very powerful, very moving gift. But your story doesn't have to be published to leave an impact. Very often, I find that I'm helped by past writings that I've done. And since life is sort of cyclical and kind of comes in waves or patterns, very often you might be inspired by your own words. So I highly advise you to start journaling if you haven't. Write down your feelings, tell your story. Even if no one hears it, it's still your story to tell. And if you help no one else, at the very least, you might help yourself. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we look forward to seeing you right back here next week. Hey there! So here's a little added bonus secret that no one else knows about and that we're not going to be mentioning anywhere else. So if you've made it to the end of the episode, you've got it. Here we go. So Jasmine actually has a very limited number of free copies of her book to give away. So if you'd like to get your hands on one, go ahead and send an email to B as in blind, V as in vision, I as in igloo, girl, G-I-R-L, tutu at gmail.com and find out how to get your hands on a free copy of Dear Freedom Writer. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next time. You can find us as Vision Magnified Official on TikTok and Instagram and on Twitter as VMO Podcast. See you next time. <laughs>